It's a beautiful place to be, Robert, where you've been singing about. And it is where the apostle is in this letter we call the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find it. There are so many wonderful truths here. We are calling it Picture Joy all through this summer. And Paul expresses this over and over again as he does in chapter 3 here once again, talking about rejoicing. This, this entire letter, this treatise to the Philippians is grounded in the truth of God's grace, is grounded in the truth of God's control and His sovereignty and His providence. And that's where you must be if you're going to enjoy what the apostle is talking about in the book of Philippians. You've got to be standing right there. And in chapter 3, we have this warning that is sounded. And I want you to hear it loud and clear. I'm praying for clarity for you as you hear the text of the Scripture this morning, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. See, there he goes again. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. He's protecting us. Rejoice in the Lord. It's your protection. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We live in one of the three most religious states in these United States, where 80% of the people say they are religious and religion is important to them, and millions live that out every day and week as they say their prayers over their meals and they attend religious services. 
We are a very religious people. And right here in New Orleans, that is absolutely true. We are religious. We have important religious activities and practices which we hold to. Our religion is important to us. But like the people in Philippi and in every generation, many people who are deeply religious and have rituals and practices which are dear to them have no idea what the apostle is talking about when he says, I want to gain Christ. I want to know Christ. I consider everything but loss for the sake of knowing him. This focus, this notion that Christ is central, that he is the heart of it, that he's the foundation, that Jesus himself is the answer, that to them is a mystery why people would say that because they are lost in the maze of their religious practice, never having apprehended, never having even comprehended that Jesus himself is the answer. Paul uses strong language here. He uses the word garbage, sometimes translated rubbish or refuse. It's the stinky stuff you stick in a bag and put by the curb so the trash people will pick it up and haul it off as quick as possible. He said, I consider all this stuff that I've listed, all my credentials and sincerity and my zeal and my upbringing and my pedigree, it's all stuff I put by the road and let them haul it off. It's nothing. It's trash. It's garbage. He uses that word. And he says here, I want to warn you, there are some people who love the garbage, the junk, the rubbish. They're like junkyard dogs. There's a junkyard. I want you to picture it for a minute. It is vast, stretches as far as the eye can see. And it is jam-packed full of stuff left over from bygone eras. All of the stuff in the junkyard is religious in nature. All religious paraphernalia, credentials, academia, certificates. I want you to see this junkyard, this vast junkyard full of stuff that people trust in instead of Christ. And I want you to imagine this junkyard protected by these vicious dogs with long fangs, sharp teeth, they growl, and they're going to get you if you start messing with the junk. I want you to gain Christ. I want you to gain him. You say, what does that mean? Well, he's the pearl of great price. It means everything else goes in the garbage can compared to him. You can't hang on to anything 
you are now trusting in if you want Christ to gain him, to know him, his resurrection, to participate in his sufferings. It's got to be all him beginning to end in your heart, in your life, where you're trusting. It's all about him. And it is so easy to fill your life with the certificates and credentials that come from the world and the trust of them. It is so easy for Baptist people to do that. It is so easy for religious people with generations of faith in their family to accumulate all these relics and, and to fill their lives with them. And these are the things that comprise their faith. Here's what you got to do if you're going to gain Christ. You no longer trust in your religion. You say, well, wait just a second here. No longer trust in my religion. Look what Paul says. Look at verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Who do you think these people are? These are people who are very dedicated to their religion. You say, well, what religion is this? It's the religion that came down from Abraham, people. They can point in their Old Testament and talk about circumcision and the rules and the regulations that they practice. They got a sacred book full of these things. If there ever was a religion that was God-ordained, it was the religion that these dogs are protecting. And they don't want to get rid of Christ. They just want you to sign up for their religious practice in addition to Jesus. Hey, it's good for Gentiles to come into the church. That's great. We want them all here. Bring them all in. As long as they become like me. We're going to circumcise them. They got to be good Jews. They need to keep those dietary laws and regulations. The language in this passage is not mine. It is the apostles. Because anything you add to Jesus detracts from him. And he is the sinner. He uses this word mutilators of flesh. And you read it and think, the mutilation? Why would he call a, a long-honored religious ritual mutilation? Because he's not talking about the physical aspect of this minor surgery. He's talking about what it does when you impose it on a follower of Jesus. Paul wants you to gain not another system, not another junkyard full of relics. 
He doesn't want you to change out your current religious stuff for some other religious stuff. He wants you to gain Christ, who is not a religion. He is not a system. He is a person. He is one with the Father. He was sent from the Father to rescue you. He is the Savior, the Son of God, your only hope for an eternal future in heaven. He wants you to know him. That's all. And the temptation to drag into your life religion and let the system supplant the Savior is perpetual in every heart. And so the apostle uses the strongest language imaginable to warn you that Christ alone is the answer to your need and the salvation of your soul. And you know it's got to be that. Because if we send you out these doors to go do good works and thus make yourself fit for heaven, you will have the most discouraging task imaginable. And you will get out those doors and into the world and you will look at yourself and you will say, I'm a mess. How can I ever do what God's called me to do? How can I ever be the person God's called me to be? I'm hopeless in this. No matter how hard I work, I'll never measure up. That's why you've got to stand in grace every day. I want to communicate to you the way you live in confidence now, no matter what your profession, your occupation, your family situation, your marital status, you can live in confidence, and this is how it is. No confidence in the flesh. All confidence in Christ. You live like this, and they keep your head up every day. You live focused in Christ, gaining Christ, knowing Christ, centered in Him, and you walk to work knowing you're forgiven, not self-condemning, not living under a cloud of shame, not dragging along with you your sack of sin and guilt and despair. When you live in grace, you are free to live like God wants you to. You live under the law, you will fully and always be condemned. You have your own list of regulations and rules. You know the list is inadequate. You know that you fail. You know your own wrongs. H.A. Ironside tells the story of being in a church business meeting where a man got so upset and started hammering on his desk and said, I demand my rights. And an old saint was sitting there who had a hard time hearing. And he said, what did he say? He said, I demand my rights. This is in church. And the old man who had a problem with hearing said, well, Jesus came to take his wrongs. And that's what he got on this planet. And what the apostle says in chapter 2 is Jesus laid aside his rights in order to receive the wrongs that men did to him. Why would he do that? To rescue us from our sin. Behold, 
the Lamb of God who takes away, who takes away the sin of the world. Don't you dare hang your head in shame when you know Jesus. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for all your sin so you wouldn't live with your eyes cast to your feet and your shoulders slumped and your gait slow. He, he, he died on the cross to deliver you from the burden of guilt and shame and you need that worse than anything you can only get that when you get rid of the junkyard and no longer listen to the junkyard dogs and say I want to gain Christ it's it you can no longer trust in your religion you can no longer trust in your credentials what a temptation to look at your wall and say, man, this is me. Look at this. Look what I've done. Look who I am. The apostle Paul said, hey, you think you're somebody? Let me give you a list. And he started telling who he was back before he met Jesus. He laid out his credentials one after the other. But then he says, you know who we really are? We are those who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, not our certificates on the wall, who put no confidence in the flesh, not confident in the things that we've accumulated that the world has given us or our own natural abilities or resources. We're standing in Christ. We boast in him. We are those who serve him and him alone. That's us. You cannot trust in your credentials. It's such a temptation to think that you're the middle and the center of the world. You see the whole world from your own point of view, really, psychologically, from your perspective as a human being limited to a body, you feel like the center of the world. It's why we just are tempted to say, you know, we live in the best country. We're part of the best race. We have the best family. We have the best heritage. We're the best minds. We're it. And it's just the temptation to be self-centered and to think you're the one. Well, the apostle Paul was circumcised on the eighth day just like Jesus was. He was of the nation of Israel. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. That's who he was. And he says, it's all garbage for the sake of knowing Christ. There is the temptation to trust in your credentials, to make that your foundation and he is saying, I warn you, you cannot do it. Our upbringing and our education do not make us part of God's family. You are not a Christian because your parents were Christians or your grandpa was a preacher. Our affiliations with fraternities and religious sects do not make us Christians. We are only Christians because we trust in Christ. Receiving him alone 
trusting in him alone for our salvation. Do not trust in your religion. Do not trust in your credentials and do not trust in your sincerity. This is the third triplet that he gives. In regard to the law, a Pharisee, they were the strictest, you know. Talk about religious. Some of those Hebrews weren't so religious, but you couldn't accuse the Pharisees of that. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Do not trust in your sincerity. You have good educational credentials. Don't trust in them. You don't know enough to get to God. God's got to come to you. You may have the greatest mind on the planet, but you are a fading match compared to the Son who is God. Your intellect is not going to get you there, no matter how bright it is. Don't trust in your education. Don't trust in your zeal. Hey, you're talking to a true believer, you might say. I really sincerely believe in my system. I really believe in all the, these regulations. The, I'm sincere about it. Well, that's great. Paul also was sincere. And what he's saying is, I was sincere. I was so sincere that I persecuted the church. He was so sincere that he abused his power. He was corrupted by his power. But he was zealous. And yet he was wrong. Sincerity is no guarantee that you're going to end up in heaven one day. Well, I did the best I could. So did Cain. He brought his sacrifice, the stuff he'd grown in the ground, unto God. God required a blood sacrifice. No, Cain didn't want no blood sacrifice. He didn't need it. He grew good vegetables. He brought that to God. There are people like that. They don't need Jesus. They don't need his death on the cross. What's that about? I mean, what's the death of Jesus got to do with me? I'm a good person. I do good things. I bring that to God. Here it is, God, all this good stuff I've done. That's my sacrifice unto you. That's my offering unto you. I don't need no blood sacrifice. The pride, the arrogance in our heart that we will discount the death of Jesus upon the cross and say, we don't need that. We're good enough. God, accept me. You've got to take me for who I am. This is me. It's the sin of Cain that started out the Bible. You can't get to God until you know how lost you are, how much sin has gripped your heart, how every thought and every deed is colored by the sin that's inside of you. The prophet said, we come to God with all our righteousness and he looks at it and to him it looks like the rags that you wrap around wounds and sores. There, it's just filthy rags to him. We need the grace that comes through Christ alone. Nothing else will do. You can be sincere as Paul was and sincerely Wrong. Sincerity itself is not enough to make you a child of God. Your faith belongs in only one place. Hear me now. In Christ, all other ground is sinking sand. 
Throughout the New Testament, you hear the clash of two ideologies, two powerful forces, Judaism and Christianity. You hear the sounds of battle in this passage that we're looking at today. People are so attached to their religious systems. And Christ is liberating us from all other dependencies to trust only in him. It's Christ alone. It's grace alone. It's faith alone for you. We say here at First Baptist that we are Jesus people. We don't mean that in a little bitty way. We mean that in a great big way. We mean by saying we are Jesus people that there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. We mean that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. We say we are Jesus' people, and by that we mean that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has come to rescue you, you personally. He has traveled from the throne room of glory to this planet for you. He took on a human form. He became a servant. He became a man. He humbled himself even to death upon a cross for you. He did this that he might rescue you from your own self-righteousness and your own credentials and your wayward sincerity and, yes, even the religion you are trapped in. To call you to a personal relationship with him that is forged only through his son Jesus who died on the cross for your sin. God has been looking for you all your life. I do not say to you, seek the way. The way itself has come to you. Arise and walk in Christ alone. Let's bow together. Know Christ, gain Christ. Everything else is garbage compared to him. Nothing else compares. Have you ever trusted in Christ for your eternal salvation? Have you ever turned loose of everything you want to bring to God? and say, Lord, I'm not bringing anything to you to buy my way into your favor. I'm just coming like the sinner I am to say, I want forgiveness. I need Christ. The scripture says, if you will confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The scripture says, nobody who comes to Christ will he cast out. Scripture says, as many as receive him, to those people he gives the power to become the sons of God. Lord, we thank you that Christ is our sufficiency. 
that he is our forgiveness, our Savior and friend. Thank you, God, that in him we find all that we need for this life and the next. Thank you, God, for sending your one and only Son to rescue us. Forgive us when we've trusted in other things, when we've slipped back into old ways, when we've accumulated credentials and properties and power and begun to imagine that these were our sufficiency and our power. Lord, forgive us when we've turned our eyes away from the only one you sent from your throne room to rescue us. Lord, I pray for the man or woman in this room who today needs to lay everything else aside and trust in Christ alone. Lord, help us do it. I pray for the one who may have wandered away from this center, this foundation in Christ, which is our only hope. God, call us back. Refocus our lives. Put us in the firm foundation, Christ alone. Amen.